Today we're going to pick up in Ephesians 2. And just as a quick recap for uh, Ephesians 1, we, we saw that that was the treasure house of God where all these magnificent uh, blessings are. Uh, the things that we've been given in Christ were we were chosen before the foundation of the earth. We were called from, from being dead um, before the foundation of the earth. We were predestined into adoption to be hit, called his sons and daughters. <clears throat> we were redeemed and we were sealed and that was for all the way until the day of redemption when that's coming in the future now. So the love of God has provided all these things for us uh, through the finished work of Christ uh, 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross for us to pay for the sins that we have committed that we couldn't pay for ourselves. So that same power that transforms, that raised him from the dead is going to transform us in our lives. Uh, that, that power is still alive, the one that raises the dead. Um, so this morning we're going to see what God has done for us, what God is doing in us, and what God is going to do through us. Um, so I'm sure everybody's seen those before and after uh, ads on TV. There's a million of them. Uh, I don't have a TV anymore. I'm sure they're still on there. Um, they're in magazines and everything also. The before and after pictures, they're great for selling things. They must be because they're still around and they're quite popular. The remodeling of houses. Here's the old house, the before, and here's the, the new house afterwards that's been remodeled and redecorated. And then they even have them where they're either going to remodel this and you're going to flip it and buy another house, all those different things. But it's all dependent upon the before picture, okay? Um, they have them for weight loss, for hair loss, for uh, changing your friend's wardrobe, all these different things. It's, it's crazy the things that are out there that that uh, get watched on TV. But again, they must be very effective. Um, but the, the effectiveness, again, like I said, comes in the before picture. Because if you just saw the after picture, like if you saw me with a full head of hair, you'd be like, ah, great, the guy's got some hair. But if you saw the picture before... You know, anybody who's follically challenged would probably be like, I don't want that product. I'm going to run out and get it. You know, so all those kinds of things happen. So when we relate that, uh, many of us came to the Lord because of something like that. We saw somebody who we knew very well. Maybe we partied with them. We, you know, lived around them. We saw them day in and day out, all the things that they would do. And they weren't very good, you know, we, but they were our friends or they were our acquaintances. So we were around them and we saw those kinds of things going on. But then one day, something changed in them, and they were totally different. They cleaned up their act, we think. We know that they didn't clean up their act, but um, there was a big change there. So you see a before and you see an after uh, effect of stuff like that. It gets your attention. And I know in my life, when I came to the Lord, um, a lot of people took notice because I wasn't running with the same crowd I was running with. I wasn't doing those kinds of things. The Lord started to put new things in my path that I was going to be looking at and doing. Um, so when that happens in somebody's life, somebody probably wants to know what's that product or who is that God that can change a person's life like that. And that's what we're going to see today. Um, I've entitled this message Before and After because that's what we're going to see. We're going to see us before Christ did that work in us, and we're going to see us after Christ did the work in us. Okay? Um, so because of, of God's great love for us, uh, as we're going to see in Ephesians 2, the amazing work that he does in our lives, 
Paul tells us that the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, and it's only because of grace, of the grace of God, that any of these blessings are ours at all. So Paul is going to set a, a dark backdrop for us to see these beautiful things against. Okay, That be- dark backdrop is going to be our sinful nature and what we were like before coming to Christ. So when we look at that ba- dark backdrop and then we see these brilliant things that Uh, Paul is going to show us and put in front of there, they're going to be even more brilliant. Typically the way um, that uh, jewelers sell diamonds and things like that, there's always like a black velvet background that they put the diamond on and then they turn on bright lights. So all the facets are shining all these beautiful colors and everything all out there. And that's kind of how uh, Paul is setting this up here. Um, I don't think the diamond salesman back in those days did that, but... Nowadays, they kind of glean from this, I think. Okay, so if you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 10. And if you uh, get there, would you stand with me to read uh, the word of the Lord? And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By Christ you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show his exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Father, as we look at your word today, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us, Lord. I pray that you would speak to the hearts that are here today. Father, I pray that you would speak, that they wouldn't be hearing words of me, but words from you, Lord. I pray that if my notes are, are uh, wrong in any way, Lord, or something you don't want to say, I pray that you would just override them, Father, and that the words that the people hear in their hearts and minds, Lord, would be the words that you desire for them to hear. Words of blessing, Lord, words of encouragement. So, Father, as we open your word and we look at it, Lord, I pray that you would, uh, through your spirit, Lord, uh, Make our hearts alive, Lord, and uh, I pray that they would burn for a desire for you and the things of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. So as we start, uh, verse 1, And he made alive who... 
and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. The first thing you see in there, I don't know if any of you have ever noticed before, but he made alive. That's added in there. That's Anything you see in italics in the word is typically added by the scribes to make things clearer, they think. But here I don't think it really adds anything. I think it actually takes away because he's basically saying that you were dead in trespasses and sins. You know, down in verse 5 it comes in, I think, in an appropriate time that uh, that he didn't make us alive. So it's not heretical or anything like that. <clears throat> so you'll see throughout the word, even these verses, you'll see other things that are in italics that uh, are for that reason to, to clarify. <clears throat> Here Paul is showing us our state as Christians before we know the Lord. Uh, we were created in the image of God. We are created for a personal relationship with God, just like he made Adam and he made Eve to walk in the garden in the cool of the day with him, to talk with him, uh, that he could teach and those kinds of things to us. So that's the relationship that he wants with us, that we have a communion with him and a, a great relationship with him. But as descendants of Adam, uh, because he was um, the representative of the human race before God, um, and all humanity is the first human. All of his choices, his decisions, and all of his problems passed on to us because we're all in that descendant line. Uh, the word says in Genesis uh, 2.17, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 says. Can you um, pop that air down just a little bit? I don't know about out there, but it's quite warm under these uh, heat lights up here. <clears throat> so unfortunately, Adam ate of the apple or whatever it was from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's unfortunate for us because now we're all sinners by doing nothing on our own. Um, so although physically alive, we were spiritually dead. Okay, uh, That's just when we have no communion with God. Um, Spiritually alive is when we have communion with him, we have that relationship like Adam had, and then when he sinned, then that just disappeared. We were cast out of the garden. Only two men were ever born spiritually alive, and they were Jesus Christ, who had no sin nature in him and never sinned, and Adam, who was created. Other than that, everybody else has a sin nature. <clears throat> so that's uh, if you thought that you would be back in the garden and you would have done it right, you wouldn't have. We all do the same thing. So nobody would have been a better Adam. We all would have been the same way. Now, God has moral and ethical boundaries for everything. He's given us uh, Ten Commandments. <clears throat> um, there are, are ways that he wants us to live. Um, those are for relationships, uh, in our relationships with our parents and our brothers and sisters, all those kinds of things, uh, relationships with friends. Uh, there are uh, rules for sex, that they should be in the marriage, uh, not outside of marriage. There are rules for marriage. Uh, there are rules for, for living with people and those kinds of things, uh, people outside of our area. So all those things are moral and spiritual, or um, they are uh, moral and ethical boundaries that God has given us to live in. And they just keep us on the straight and narrow. Basically, people are afraid of those because they think that we're, we're bound in and we can't do things and we can't do any of the fun stuff. But really, what those boundaries do is they give us a safety area so that we don't fall off into the gutters and those things that, are, um, that kill us, actually. Okay, so those things were a, a beautiful thing that he gave to us. 
So uh, if we don't um, follow those rules, if we trespass them, that means that we actually um, know where the line is, we know what we can do and what we can't do, and we actually cross over it, then we're called a trespasser. It's just like you see posted signs down as you're riding down the road, you see do not trespass, keep out, blah, blah, blah. Those things are because that's somebody else's land and they don't want you to go in there. The same thing, God says, if you cross this, you're a trespasser and you're worthy of death at that point. Also, you could be a sinner. A sinner is the same thing. It's just two different names of how we do it. Sinner, you can do deliberately or you can do undeliberately. You can be trying your best and still miss the mark. And if that happens, this, I think this came from the stories I've heard over and over again from pastors teaching is that it was an old English thing that they would do this in archery and they would shoot through a hoop at the top of a pole and the ones who didn't get their arrows all the way through there they were sinners and that they would have to buy rounds of drinks for the guys and all those kind of things so I don't know if that's true or not it's basically missing the mark here's the standard that God gave and God says Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So when we don't perfectly meet that line, then we're sinners, okay? Again, worthy of death. <clears throat> so the moment that we trespass or we sin, at that moment, we're out of a relationship with God, okay? Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 that even if we think evil thoughts in our hearts, we're sinning, because out of the heart comes all our thoughts our attitudes, our motivations, and our deeds for everything that we do. Again, in Ezekiel 18.4, the soul who sins shall surely die. The way God wanted us to live with him was destroyed by Adam's sin. We're separated from the influence of God. God wanted to have influence in our lives daily as we walked to be able to teach us and to show us things. Now, when we're separated from him, we're dead spiritually, we have no ability in and of our own to, to even know him, to reach out to him, to get to him. Nobody's looking for him. Um, the fellowship is oneness with God, and God can't be one with sin. So we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So we don't have that connection anymore. So that influence that he wants to have in our lives, he pulls back and says, okay, you know, go your way and do what you want. <clears throat> so this is why... Um, uh, let me read this. Uh, I have uh, Isaiah 59 in here. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy, that it cannot bear, it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversities. So these things have separated us from God, and he, won't, he can't be around those things because when we have fellowship with him, that's oneness with him, and he can't look upon those things. He can't be one with sin because he is totally holy. So um, that's the reason we need Christ's finished work on the cross is so that we can be born again, we can be made spiritually alive, and we can be back in that communion with God. Um, so with that, then we're made alive spiritually. And if you haven't received that redeeming work of Christ in your life, or unsure, you're not really sure that you ever had it, um, it can be done easily today, you know, just by saying that, you know, Jesus, I realize that you are God, I believe that. You know, I know that I'm a sinner, that I repent of my ways, and that... Um, I, I know that you are Lord God and that I want to follow you all the days of my life. 
It's that easy. Um, some of us have done that, and I think uh, it got here, but it never got down to here. So I think that we we think that we are believers, and we don't we don't walk in that way anymore. Uh, we we do it for a day, and then the kind of thing wears off, and we go on and do something else. So it's really important to make sure that we have changed lives, that it gets down to our hearts. Uh, verse two in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Paul is showing us evidence of our deadness, okay, by telling us that we're definitely not being influenced by God, but we are being influenced by somebody else. And uh, what he's telling us here is that we're blown around by the course of this world and the prince of the power of the air. Um, so we are being influenced, even though it's not by God. Uh, the word walked here that they use, in which you once walked, this is more like kind of meandering or um, kind of wandering back and forth, really with no place in mind to go. You're just kind of walking back and forth here and there with no specific point you're trying to reach. Um, there's no reason or purpose for your life. Uh, we just go day by day, taking whatever comes, okay? kind of reminds me of shopping with my wife. You know, when I used to go shopping with her, I knew what we needed. We would go out there and we would go to get something. Well, I would go right to that department to get it, whatever it may be, and I don't see her because she's around checking this and she's going over here and checking that. Doesn't this look nice? You think we could use this? We could, you know, all those kinds of things. So she's kind of wandering around meandering and I'm going to the place where we need to get whatever we're getting. So it's kind of that way, you know, when I go by myself, that's what I get. Now I've kind of been trained and know that that's how I am now because she trained me that way. So now I can go wander in stores for hours, you know, it's crazy. Things that I never thought I would do, I'm doing now. <coughs> oh man, there's one up here. <coughs> ah, thanks brother, except I need Turkish towels, I think. Excuse me a minute. <laughs> man, ooh, man, it was really wet. If I had that hair now, you wouldn't see all this stuff up here. <coughs> okay. All right, back to our our verse here. Uh, we're we're in which we once walked according to the course of this world. Okay. So course in this um, in this way, we're what a course is is from the Greek it means weather vane, so it just kind of blows whichever way the wind blows. We're blown around. We're like big sailing ships with all the sails up and the winds are blowing and we have no rudder though. So we're going at full speed this way, then the wind changes and the next thing we're going full speed this way. So you see kind of the meandering or the wandering back and forth that we do. That's how we wander through life and that is all according to the prince of the power of the air, who is Satan, of course. Um, you know, he was given authority over the earth when uh, Adam sinned and fell from grace with God, was kicked out. That was when the deed was handed over to Satan, and he took over. So basically, we're rudderless in this world. We just kind of go wherever he decides we're going to go. Now, we're directed and driven by Satan to do things that we do, we thought we were free and independent, free thinkers. You know, you hear that all the time. But really, we're just following Satan's guidance, okay, and his leading. That's where we're going. Those kinds of things are happening. 
Paul shows us here that the prince of the power of the air is an unholy spirit that works. Huh. Thank you, brother. Oh, that's ice cubes. Thanks. I feel like I'm at a resort now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> really should have worn shorts and a sleeveless shirt here. <clears throat> so we were... <laughs> Forgive me, Father. So we were directed by Satan to do these things. We really thought we were doing them on our own, really. I mean, do any of you think that Satan is like pushing you here and there and everywhere else? You really think that I'm getting up today and I'm a man and I'm going to decide what I'm going to do? Or you're a woman and you're going to decide this is what you're going to do. We decide those things and we think that that's what we're doing. Um, But really, it's not us doing that. Uh, Paul's going to show us that the unholy spirit works in the sons of disobedience. That's the unsaved. And that's what we were at that point. The the works that he uses there is a, an interesting word. Uh, in Greek, it's energeo. And it actually means to put forth power. So really what he's doing is energizing us. Satan is energizing us to do these things that he desires us to do. It's kind of like wireless routers. We have a wireless router in here, and there's signals going all over the place. At your home, you probably have them everywhere you go, coffee shops and stuff. Those signals are going, even if you don't are around that. Their TV, everything is, is unseen waves going on and on. But Satan uses those. Remember, we fight against not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of the air. And what he does is he broadcasts these things to us to tell us to do certain things at certain times. Okay? They're unseen signals, but they're around us and through us. Okay? So, now remember, or maybe you don't know, but back in Ezekiel 28, it's thought that Lucifer was the, uh, the worship leader of the angels in heaven. We don't know if that's true. We'll find out someday. Um, I've heard a, a bunch of different things in Ezekiel. It talks about uh, his timbrels and his pipes. But, um, you know, when I look at that, it looks like actually the, the bezel that the, uh, the, the stones are set into. But maybe they make some kind of music. I don't know. So it's thought that he's the angel of heaven that uh, used to uh, lead worship there. Um, so if he led worship there, then how adept is he at doing it? And now think of here on the earth of... of uh, the, the music that we listen to, the hypnotizing rhythms and things that are there that catch our attention. I remember my parents used to tell me, stop listening to that garbage, you're going to rot your brain, blah, blah, blah. And I would tell them, well, I'm not listening to the words, I'm just listening to the music and the rhythms. But it's funny, to this day, I still remember each and every of those words. You know, somebody plays a song, it's like, oh, yeah, I know all the, I know all the words to it. Because they actually went in there. Even though I didn't like the words of a certain song, I just like the beat or the rhythm, it all permeated me and it got stuck in my receiver up here. So those things are going on and and my parents told me that those were terrible messages that I was I was getting. But how much worse is it today? You know, my lyrics were tame compared to the, the lyrics of today's music that's pumping hate and killing and sex into the minds of our young people today. Uh, you know, and they're all through earbuds, so you don't even hear what's going on. It's just mainlining it right in there, you know. Um, and it's it's crazy. It's programming their minds to that. You know, we don't think so as we're hearing it, as we're young people listening to these songs. But really, when you look down the line, I mean, I can look back and see the influence in my life of the things that I listen to, whether I like them or not. And why is it that troubled and depressed people seem to turn to music and drugs? 
I don't know why that is, but I guess it is to quiet the noise going on inside their heads. Uh, someone once told me that uh, Karl Marx said to the, uh, give me the musicians and the poets and I'll rule the nation. I don't know if he actually said that or if they just made it up and I stuck it in there to, to keep. But just think of that, you know, it's like the, the what do we, we're all drawn to music of some type, you know, it's, it's what soothes the savage soul. Um, but all that stuff is going on in, in and through us, and we don't even take notice of it because it's just life. It's what we do. We go here, we go there. Oh, I like that song playing, all those kinds of things. But we're constantly being influenced. That's what the, the message I'm trying to get across, that we're being influenced in all of those things, whether we know it or not. I mean, think of, of hairstyles. Who decides the fads and what's going on? You know, back in my day, it was long hair. We all wanted long hair. I had long hair, believe it or not. All of them, even these up here were long. <clears throat> but now we have no hair. We have a half a head of hair. We have, you know, hair on the top of your head. We have a top knot. Uh, we have just bangs, you know, not to mention the myriad of colors, too. Who comes up with all that stuff? Is, you think we're just like, oh, today I'm going to make, make this whole thing. Well, it's not us doing it. It's Satan deciding. And there's a reason behind it, even though we don't see the reasons now that, that are, things are going on like that. Uh, you know, and those are cool. I mean, sometimes they're fun to look at, and sometimes it's like, Huh? How did you do that? <clears throat> now, there's piercings and tattoos. You know, they're everywhere. And they're cool. I, I just think people don't really think down the line what they're going to look like, you know, when they get to be my age. You know, when you, your skin is all tight, it's great. But after a while and your skin starts sagging, the words don't mean the same things. You know, the battleship looks like it took a torpedo in the middle, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's, it's just things to think about. And piercings, you know, it's like... I cannot believe the things people pierce, but whatever, to each his own, you know. Did you come up with that on your own, or was that one of those invisible things that kind of hit you, you know? And I'm thinking implants. Horns? Really? It's bizarre, but people are out there doing it. And I don't think that it is, you know, just them coming up with it. I think it was a, a, an idea that was planted in their heads by, by demons. I really do. You know, the clothing we wear. I mean, styles for guys went from straight leg jeans and pants, cords, uh, flared bell bottoms, you know, platform shoes. I don't, I'm not saying whether I had any or didn't have any, but <clears throat> all those kinds of things, leisure suits, all those things that, you know, how do we come up with those? MC Hammer pants, you know, all that kind of stuff where the crotch is down at the knees, you know. It, Somebody comes up with that stuff. You can do it with just regular pants now. You don't need the MC Hammer pants. You just pull them. I don't know what holds them up. They just kind of go down there. And underwear is no longer underwear. It's the new outerwear, I think. And again, who comes up with all these things? I think it is just Satan to say, let's see how bizarre we can go before they really start to push back. You know. And I think people my age are looking at that thinking like, I wouldn't be caught dead wearing that. And other people think it's the best thing happening. It's like, hey, look at these new kicks I got. You know, I don't even have to tie them. You know, the new t untying is tying, and tying is untying is like, you wear them all opened up. I mean, I, I can't even walk in these sinooks. You know, sometimes I, the back flops out, and I, you know, with my hip, it's like I just find myself going all over the place. It's just, it's crazy. You know, at one point we thought we were individualistic, and and now we can see that we're following the crowd. That there is a reason that we're going in a specific direction. We're being influenced and led. I mean, think about 
all the zombie stuff now. What's up with zombies? I mean, there are even people that are getting ready for a zombie apocalypse. Zombie shows on TV, zombie... I mean, the Walking Dead. I mean, real. okay, we're Walking Dead until we come to Christ, but looking like that, I think of, Jess, you, the picture you have on your... of a zombie, it's like a... Th- what is that? Not 3D, it's... A holograph, like you look at it one way and there's a normal old guy there, and you look at it the other way and his like nose is gone and all this stuff. I'm thinking, like, dude, what's up with that? <clears throat> anyway, so without God in our lives, that's basically what we are the living dead. We're trudging along, going whichever way the winds are blowing us that day. So, all this is to set the dark backdrop that Paul is trying to say look at all this stuff, look at the stuff happening in our lives. We think we're doing one thing, that we're smart, individualistic, and all these things. Even worse than that, worse than what we look like or what we listen to, think of our morals, our integrity, our character, our lifestyles. You know, the media is trying to tell us that it's all great, it's all good, everybody's doing it, it's normal. You know, I think we can all see that it isn't normal. No, that it's not the way it should be. It's not the way God designed it to be. God designed it to be good and lovely, where he could walk and he could speak to us and he could encourage us and and have us do beautiful things. Instead, Satan is behind it. The increase in immorality, the promiscuous sex, pornography, the acceptance of abortion, and now we find the selling of body parts. I mean... This has to be satanic. I really don't think we can come up with those things on our own. But who knows? Uh, homosexuality, the new definition of marriage, uh, it's, it's, it's sad. It really is. I'm sure it breaks God's heart. And you know, he's holding off and holding off and holding off. He's long-suffering. And he's just holding off, waiting for us to get our act together so that we don't go off to hell. He wants us all to be saved. So that's really why he has us here, is to is to think of that once we come to him. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, you know, we, we even buy magazines. People look at the magazines. You go to the grocery store. They're right in front of you as you're checking out, you know, to see what's happening, who's doing what to who, who's this, that. I, I, I was just there yesterday, and I was thinking to myself, it's like, who, who wants to read this filth? And then as I move up to pay, there's an old lady and a young man, and they're both, like, grabbing the one that's hot for them, you know, and they're like, oh, man, I can't believe, look what's happening here. I'm thinking, okay, so it's the world. It's everybody doing it. You know, that's what it is. It's not little old ladies wanting to see what's going on or the young girls, the teeny boppers used to read the teen beat. I don't know if they still do that or not. But, you know, they, they all want to see that kind of stuff and see what the, the lives are doing, the musicians, the movie stars, all those things. But what we don't realize is when we look behind the scenes, what's going on in their lives, they're miserable. They're crying out for love. They're drug addicts. They're alcoholics. They can't get their life together. We look at them and we think it's great. They have all this money. They have these great places they live. They can jet around the world. But they're missing the love. That's what they're crying out for. And I think as they go in and out of their rehabs and jails, they're just looking for somebody to love them. That's what they're looking for. That's what we're all looking for. We're looking for that love that only... God can provide, that only God can reach down and touch that place in us. <clears throat> but I, again, you know, I, I don't think that we, we 
do these things on our own, I think we can see that somebody is behind pulling all the levers and directing us to do things. Um, and, and that would be Satan directing humanity down that wide road straight into hell. Uh, so it's a tragic scene of man apart from Christ. You know, it could, it could happen to all of us and did happen to all of us until we came to know him. It seems every institution of God is under attack around the whole world. Everything that has anything to do with him. Why are they attacked? Why aren't the righteous things being elevated? You know, why isn't right good over wrong? You know, the Bible tells us in the end days that'll be it. Right will be wrong and wrong will be right. It's because it's supernatural. It's of Satan. He doesn't want anything. He'll, he, he used to be subtle, but now he's like right in our faces. The things are right out there. He's emboldened because the times are coming near the end, and he's trying to get, he knows he's not going to heaven, and he's trying to get as many of us to go with him as he can. Think of him when he was cast out of heaven, and he had the third of the angels went with him. How does that happen? They're, they're in a perfect place right there. But he's emboldened. and uh, So he's advocating his life of rebellion against the things that are holy and pure. And we just have to be careful that sometimes they can creep in and we don't, we don't notice them. We have to be careful of that. <clears throat> um, you know, if we, we take an honest look around, you know, the things that we dream about and want to be, um, I think, you know, we would be surprised if we really looked behind the curtain and saw what those lives were really like. I think we would be shocked because it's not what you see on the front of papers. It's not what you see on the glitzy TV shows and all that. You know, even the TV shows, you know, it's like make parents look like idiots. You know, the fathers look like fools. Uh, you know, gays are all right. as husbands and wives or husbands and whatever that is. But, you know, that that's all okay. That's normal, you know. And it's not normal. But it's pushed on us and pushed on us and pushed on us until we're desensitized to it. And then we more and more and more people are following it. And and those kinds of things are gonna happen now, you know, with, with marriage being between two men, two women, uh, where does it end? You know, once you break out of those bounds that God gave us, where does it end? You know, I I want my Chihuahua and my, you know, parakeet and we're gonna get married, you know. It, you could go anywhere from that. It's just ridiculous. So we can see how we walked in, in the influence of Satan in the world and the things that we do. I mean, look at your own life. Think of the things that you used to do that you don't do anymore, the things that you're still tempted to do, lured to do, because we still have feelings and thoughts and things that, that God says we have all these things, but when we use them in the wrong way, then we're, we're trespassing, then we're crossing over the line. You know, we all have thoughts of things, and we think, where, where did that come from? You know, it's like, a, here, I'm thinking godly thoughts and... Uh, all of a sudden, some weird thing pops into my head. That's of Satan. He sees that we're, we're, we're growing closer, we're drawing closer. You sit down to read your Bible, you fall asleep. Any other book you read, you can sit there and read for hours, you know. I watched my sister. I shouldn't say that. I'm not going to say that. Somebody else's sister. <laughs> if you ever listen to this, I, I, I love you. <laughs> But, you know, it's like I, I watch her read book after book after book after book after book. She rips through them. But you get to the Bible, she's like, I don't understand this, and falls asleep in like five minutes reading it, you know. And I do the same thing. So, see, I do the same thing. Why does that happen? Why do we get those weird thoughts and things? 
again, I, I espouse that it's the uh, it's the unseen waves that are coming and, and, and battering us nonstop. If we look honestly, I think we'll see that. Now I'm all the way down to verse three. <laughs> Among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. You know, Satan's unseen signals seem to to find us. He gives us thoughts, feelings, experiences, special events, uh, effects in our minds, uh, power to captivate people. Um, I mean, how else do we do we uh, see how somebody can capture a whole nation? You know, somebody comes on the scene and everybody's like enamored with them. It, it has to be something satanic. Nobody has that kind of personal charisma. A couple of us might, but <laughs> I think it's all satanic. I really do. Um, people experiencing strange things, people being told to do unnatural things. Um, you know, Satan will promise us the world just as he did Jesus to bow down to him. You know, Jesus turned him down, and we should also. But it's so subtle that that I think we we don't get it. We we you know when we were. Um, Doing these things before becoming a Christian, it was all Satan's fault. Now it's our fault when we transgress and we sin. Okay, So I think we can see in these last couple verses that the main enemies in this life are the world, Satan, and the lusts of our flesh. Um, you know, we, we live in an animalistic nature to, to feed those, those hungers that we have, um, to satisfy those desires and urges that we have. You know, and we happily did the things that the world and Satan wanted us to do, and we happily thought the things that they wanted us to think about. You know, but that was our former condition in the world. You know, uh, the world, Satan, and our flesh dominating our lives—they're—they're they're a very powerful foe. They're very, very strong, um, and it's hard to get away from them. And, and the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a short time. <clears throat> You know, and what we earned for the fact of being children of wrath is death. You know, that's that's what we earned. Uh, children of wrath, uh, God's enemies, basically. Um, so some people try all kinds of things. I, I look at Solomon in the Word. He tried riches. He tried wisdom. He tried leaving great monuments around, and he found in the end that nothing satisfied because he was doing the things that weren't pleasing to God. He was taking many women, his wives, and doing all these different things, uh, bowing down to their idols and things. And, and God said, you know, those things aren't going to satisfy you. You're the wisest man in the world. And, and I think to myself, it's like, well, you know, the Bible says to seek wisdom. You know, and I think that somebody like that doing that, um, just going off, uh, it's crazy. Paul said to Titus that grace teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. That's in Titus 2. I know my life before coming to Christ only earned me the wrath of the anger of God. Uh, some people can't accept that they're sinners. Uh, they're too prideful. But I knew that I was a sinner. I knew the things I did. I was sinful. Um, so again, you you may be there today. You may be a believer or may not be a believer um, just think about these things that we've talked about. Uh, we just do what comes natural. That's what people say. Just do what comes natural. Well, the things that come natural, those are from our, our natural fallen state in rebellion to God. 
know, David tells us that we were born with sinful fallen natures. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. We see that in Psalm 51. This is why Jesus tells us we must be born again. So Paul paints this dark picture of the natural man apart from Jesus. But thankfully, the canvas that, uh, that the workmen of God will be shown on. So we get this dark canvas, and now, verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. God is love, and God manifests his love as mercy to us in his creation. But God. Um, here we start to see what God has done for us, where he resurrects us and he lifts us up. So God does things for us, as I said before, in us and through us. And as you go on through Ephesians, he does other things. Um, typically when we hear but in a sentence, we kind of discount the things that we just heard before because but is like, okay, all that. But the good news, and that's what we're looking at here. So we heard all of those things before of how bad we were, dead in our sins, all those things, but God. God steps into situations and changes them for the better, warning people and protecting people and lifting people up. Uh, I think of, uh, there's a number of them, Abraham and Abimelech. Remember when Abraham went down and uh, he said to Sarah, say you're my sister, so you know when he takes you he won't kill me because you're just my sister. But God told Abimelech, don't touch her or you're surely going to die. Um, Joseph and his brothers, you know, you meant it for this, but God meant it for this. Um, personally, here's Psalm 73:26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So God is always there. God knows when he's going to pluck each one of us out of this death spiral that we're in. Here in light of everything that we just heard, his motive for saving us is the great love that he has for us. He still desires to get us back into the Garden of Eden to make everything right again, everything pleasurable again. So the, the story begins in the Bible where we get kicked out and the whole rest of the Bible is getting us back into the Garden again. <clears throat> we have no hope except for the mercy and grace of a loving God. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy, Micah says. When did God start loving us? Because of his great love when we were dead in sins. He's loved us from eternity past, even before we were made. Even before anything, when he was thinking about us in his mind's eye, he loved us then. Not after we were cleaned up, not after we were looking spiffy. But God loved us from eternity past. There's never been a time when God hasn't loved you, and there will never be a time in the future where God won't love you. <clears throat> now, the way he manifested his great love to us is by sending his son, by taking my sin and dying for them in my place. And this is love that we loved God, but that he loved us first and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We come to verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. God loved us so much that when we were at our worst, the deepest depths of sin, Christ died for us, the ungodly, to give us eternal life. And we see that in John 3.16. God so loved the world. Again, remember the, the whole thing with the jewelry sellers and the background that is is deep, dark velvet that they put the, the uh, jewel on. 
And that's what I want you to keep in the back of your mind, that our lives as sinners and dead sinners was that dark black background, okay? Now in our salvation, we were resurrected to an eternal life, not just cleaned and polished old life. This one is spiritually alive now. Through Jesus, God provided forgiveness for our sins, and having forgiven our sins, we became spiritually alive. Christ's life was put into us, okay, and we were born again. We don't relate back to the fleshly Adam because he was our father of the flesh, but now we relate back to our spiritual father, Jesus. Now our spirits are alive. We have fellowship with God. He can have influence in our lives, and he can let us see those things that are happening around us. It's still hard to grasp that this would happen, but we can see it now, and we worship him in spirit and truth. By his grace we've been saved, the verse says, not by any works that we may have done, all by his love, his unmerited favor towards us. Even the kernel of faith that we have to believe in him in the first place was given to us by him. It wasn't something that we ginned up on our own, because then that would be a work. It's the kernel of faith that's given to us, and then we, what we do with that is up to us. You know, we can grow that faith by trusting in him, reading his word, and, and being taught the word, or we can just kind of like be there and melt and die and not grow at all. <clears throat> now, mercy and grace are often linked together, and I'm sure most of us have heard this before, but mercy is not getting what I deserve, and grace is getting what I don't deserve, so much more. And that's what we're going to see, what God gives us. Not just mercy. He gave us mercy because he pulled us up out of the depths that we were in. But then he gave us grace on top of it. It's like getting one scoop ice cream, and then grace, we get four more, which delights my eyes, as you can tell, and whipped cream, and the cherry on top, and chocolate and sprinkles and everything else. So it's those kinds of things. For us, we get all these things of Christ, everything that was in the treasure trove of heaven, we get. He raised us up together and made us sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are redeemed, we're righteous, we're made holy. It would be more than enough to be raised up to the heavenly places, far above all the principalities and the powers with Jesus. But nevertheless, our new position is to be seated with Christ there, to be rulers, co-rulers with him in the heavenly places. Now, this is secure because the way God says it is in past tense. It's already happened. God already looks at it that way, saying, I already see you there. I see each one of you who are a believer seated up there. You're going to be seated in throne rooms around the, uh, around the cosmos or wherever we are. Um, so that's the way he sees us. Uh, it's our... our our current position. So God already has it set. It's already going to happen. Now, that's a celestial blast of brilliant color to go on that back. We've been dead in our sins and now splash of color on there. Think of them, the, the colors that we can't even see yet. I mean, when God tells us about the stones that are there, the, the brilliant colors there, I mean, we think of diamonds and the little glints of stuff. That'll be put to shame by, I think, the colors and stuff we see him. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. And as I overcome and sat down with my father on his throne, Revelations, Revelation 3.21, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. Throughout all the ages to come, over like waves, over and over and over again, we're going on for eternity. We'll be living with God in his eternal kingdom, and God will be re revealing the vast richness uh, of his grace and his kindness towards mankind in Jesus Christ. 
Day after day after day after day after day, we'll be worshiping him and we'll be hearing more of his great love for us. Uh, God's grace, love, and mercy being revealed for us for all eternity, and we'll still never discover it all because eternity just won't be long enough. There's that much that's there. He's so rich in, in that. By God's undeserved merit alone, I've been raised from the dead, a gift from God. Now, verses 8 and 9 show us what God has done in us. Uh, we're saved through grace. What does it mean to be saved? It means saved from, from being dead in sin, saved from the controlling ways of the world that are directed by Satan, and saved from being a slave to the lust of the flesh and mind, saved from the sinful nature destined for the wrath of God, raised to life in Christ, seated with Christ in the heavenlies, saved for a glorious future, an eternity of blessings from the grace and kindness of God towards me. This gift is freely received. It's freely given. He just wants to give it to us and accept it. There's nothing we can do to possess it, uh, so don't doubt it. It's, it's there, accept it, and, and, and walk in it. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ, life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, verse 9 tells us it's not of works, lest anyone should boast. Not of works. There's nothing we can do to earn it. Not one way, nothing I can do. Remember Peter uh, rebuked Simon the sorcerer who wanted to buy this gift, who wanted to be able to use this gift on his own. And Peter told him that, no, you can't be gone, you and your money. So it's a free gift. God knows that, that we're boastful creatures, that if, if we did anything to do to have to do with our salvation, that we'd be boasting when we got to heaven. We'd be looking for the praise and the glory for ourselves. We'd be doing all those kinds of things. Uh, thank God there's no boasting in heaven. I mean, we can't even stand it here. Somebody starts telling us a story over and over and over again. We, we've heard it like some people I know, I hear the same story over and over and over again for years. It's like, oh, here comes that story again. And you look for the exit to get away. Could you imagine in heaven it would go on forever? So God said, no, no boasting here. We, we'll have none of that. So, yeah, thankfully we won't hear those stories over and over. They'll be done. Verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here we see God working through us, all right, changing others' lives because of what he's done in our life. We should be joyful Christians. We should be those who are alive and, and look like people want to be like us, not like, oh, here we go again. People have enough of that in their lives. They have that constantly, day after day after day. They're looking for something. They want to see that spark of life in your eyes. They want to see that those colors of the celestial, who you are in, in Christ. They want to see those things. That's what they're drawn to is the love of Christ and that. That's what we need to show them is those kinds of things. We're his workmanship. In, in Greek, that's poema. That means it's a poem. The poem is an expression of the poet's heart, of the artist's heart. Regarding salvation, we're the will and the work of God. We're his poem that he's worked on this. This is something from his heart. Each one of you is that, that poem from him. We're all a different uh, verse or poem in itself. We're created in Christ Jesus, a new birth, living in union with Christ. Uh, Jesus is the most beautiful. So if he's in us and we're in him, then we're truly stunningly beautiful. Again, I, I think all of you are. <laughs> So, um, I must be created in Christ Jesus unto good works before I can walk in them. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, Philippians 1.6. For it is God who works in you to do 
to, to will and to do his good pleasure, uh, Philippians tells us. Therefore, we can see through these verses that God, what he's done for us, what he's done in us, and what he's done through us, all for his glory. Um, again, through us is to reach others for him. Uh, as we hear about the glorious new future of God, seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus, with all the riches of heaven, and learning of his great love for us for all eternity, as glorious as that is, it's so much more brilliant when you look at it in front of that black backdrop. Okay, when, when that dark thing is there and you see this is where we were and God reached down and pulled us out of there and gave us all these things. That makes it so much more glorious. This is something that I uh, heard from uh, Pastor Damien Kyle about God. I've not only saved you, but work in your life in such a way that now, through your life, as your life is given to things completely different from what they were once given to, you now become an expression of me, the creator, the artist, of my power to change a life, of the beauty I can bring into a life, of the themes I provide both to heart and to mind, with the heart and mind, they would never know these things or explore them apart from me. And that's what we've become, his workmanship on exhibit for everybody, his poem in the world, and what God has done in us, he will do in many. As we see all these things and know that it's a certainty, we should be most joyful. As I said before, we have a great future. It's sure. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to happen to take us away from it. We should be telling everybody that we meet about it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for, Lord, uh, being here today, Lord, as a family gathered together. Father, I pray that you would, uh, Father, sort the things out that were said today. And those things that are reviewed, Lord, I pray people would remember and take to heart. Those other things, uh, Father, I pray that you would just let them uh, drift away. Father, help us to be mindful of the things going on in the world, Lord. With your spirit in us, help us to be aware of, of the tactics of Satan, Lord, and the things that he does to control us. Lord, help us with our wills. Help them to be tender towards you. Help us to give you all the honor and the glory. Help us, Lord, to remember Psalm 115. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. Amen.